0: morning all um well it is lovely to be here it's not normal for me to be here at an 11 there is a lot more people it's quite scary I can tell you and I know people will probably say yeah but you sing all the time what's your problem you know but at least if I make a mistake I'm able to blame somebody else I just have to look at them as if it was their fault they sang the wrong words or came in at the wrong time but uh, it's just me and God this morning And I just thank him for his presence. So, Olympic-sized determination. That's what I'm going to speak about this morning. When Leon asked us to speak um, about an Olympic-sized theme, I'd thought of... um, I knew determination was what I was supposed to speak on. And I'd got a reading out of the scriptures, you know, from 2 Samuel 18, about um, two people that were runners... One ran with part of a message didn't want to deliver the whole thing, and the other one, who was really virtually unheard of. He was an Ethiopian, he had no name, according to scriptures, and um, he took the tough route, whereas it tells us that Ahimas, who's the other guy 's name, he took. The less demanding route to deliver the message. And I looked at the comparisons and I thought, yeah, you know, this would work. But then I just really felt that, you know, this wasn't it. God was trying to make something else clear here. And it wasn't just that, you know, there was two guys that were in a race and, um, to deliver a message to King David. Um, I watched quite a bit of the Olympics, you see, over the holiday, and as I was saying at the nine, it was weird, because I was in Italy, so you imagine, English couple in Italy, and the room is like England, because when you get outside, it was too hot, (laughs) so our room was like the temperature for being at home. We were watching it on Italian television, but with a German commentator, it was all very strange, but you know what, I realised I didn't really need a commentator, Because we knew who won, who came second and who came third. We could see it. I knew what country they came from and I knew what their names were. So really, I didn't need a commentator. But while I watched it, I really felt that there was something more here. And it was not just about being determined to deliver a message to the world that they were the best runners or the best archers or the best synchronised swimmers. But it was about competing at all costs. Through all circumstances... Being focused and being determined to do all that was required to reach the goal, to achieve and to claim their prize. And there was four things that came out of it for me and they all begin with D, so it's very easy to remember. It was about desire that led to them making a decision which makes you dependent on others and then the determination... So just let me put it another way that you'll understand where these four points are coming in. For instance, did Tom Daley wake up one morning and say to his mum and dad, I want to dive in the Olympics for Britain in 2012? No, I don't think so. He probably started swimming lessons as a youngster, like some of us have done, and you either like it or you don't. And uh, he developed a, a love for jumping off the diving board So he developed a desire to do better. And then he made the decision that this is something he would like to do seriously. He needed a trainer and a coach or someone who knew the event better than he did. And it was no point talking to a volleyball player or a sprinter or a high jumper or a long jumper. They're great events, but it's not diving. He needed somebody that knew what they were talking about. So he started entering competitions, and I would imagine it was all very local to where he lived. He was getting very good and probably became a regional competitor and joined a team. But now he was getting really good, and he was being noticed. And as we know, we hear it all the time about football. You know, when your kids are playing football, there's a scout coming. You might be the next David Beckham. Oh, he's old news now, isn't he? (laughs) But you know, now he was being noticed and nationally. So it was time to get a manager, sponsors, a support team that he could depend upon. So that's where his dependency comes in. And then only he could do this was determined that he was gonna achieve the goal that he'd set out. He was gonna make it to the Olympics. And so that's what he did. So that's my four Ds. And I'd like to just put that first picture up, please, Janet. Thank you. And um, actually, this morning, I'd said that it would have been great to have one of the Paralympics. And I didn't even realise there's actually one running with the able-bodied. Do you know he ran in the race? And I was saying uh, this morning, my three questions. Every single competitor, first of all, needed determination to enter, compete, and win their event. So my three questions was this. Which one of these went to the Olympics to compete for a silver or a bronze? I don't think any of them did. I think they all went for gold. Secondly, which one of these do you think went into the Olympics without training? What, they jumped out of bed one morning and said, I'm going to run in the Olympics? I don't think so. And thirdly, do you think any of these guys went into the competition without a support team? No, I don't believe so. So, as I said, firstly, I believe they were all running for gold. And then I thought, do we settle for just getting into heaven by the skin of our teeth? Or were we running for the prize, the main prize? And then training... Do we think we can run this race without reading the Word and having a relationship with God? That's our training ground. We need it. We need Him. And then, do we think we can run it without God's encouragement and direction? It's impossible, I would say. Some of us, and I do sometimes, thanks Janet, I do sometimes run with the mentality... If I keep my head down, if I don't disagree with anyone or make a fuss, I don't need to tell anyone I'm a Christian, I don't want to rock the boat or draw attention to myself, I'll get to heaven and I'll claim my prize. But you've heard that saying, you've got to be in it to win it. And you really have. Because I don't know whether you realise there is no prize for being a spectator in God's race. None whatsoever. None whatsoever. So we need to get in this race. So my first point was desire, a wish or a longing deep within your heart and soul to achieve something, to get somewhere, to see or meet somebody maybe. But what I'm saying is desire to do the race. Psalm 27 verse 4 says, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Now, I don't believe that means we bring our tents or our bedding and we camp in Zion's beautiful accommodation. (laughs) I don't believe that. I believe what this scripture is trying to say, my interpretation, is it means to dwell in his presence wherever we are, wherever we go, to behold his beauty wherever we look, to inquire of him, who now, Lord? Where now, Lord? What now, Lord, do you want me to do? Our desire, like that song says, is to live and move and breathe in him. Everything we do should be in him. That should be our desire, our desire to do the race. Secondly, second D is decision. I know you're probably thinking this is really quick and it'll be over in five minutes, but my last two are a little longer. (laughs) So my second is a decision. Making up your mind. You make up your mind to work out a route or a plan to achieve the thing that you want to. You make up your mind to put a plan in place to get to where you want to be. That goal that you've set for yourself. So you decide, this is the way I'm going to do it. And I will say, let's decide to run the race this morning. Let's decide to get back in the race. Hebrews 12, I'm reading for NIV, says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We need to decide that we're going to run in the race. We have a desire, but we need to decide that we're going to do this thing. Thirdly, dependency. Depend on God during the race. Now, the problem with the word dependency, it's often used to describe a weakness or an addiction. You know, it's always a bit negative, isn't it? You know, we can depend on money, alcohol, drugs, sex. But some people are just needy. They just need somebody in their life. And um, I was saying this morning, I did not mention any names. They don't come to the church. They're not Christians. But, you know, um, there's people that just need, uh, you know, they want a partner so desperately. And they'll go out with loads just see if they could find the right one, and it's not the right one, and they move on to the next. They need somebody in their life. And uh, there's a lot of needy people, but a male or a female is not necessarily what you need. And I just think sometimes, you know, weakness. We think dependency, well, that's a sign of weakness. It's not always the case. And I looked at three areas where we have dependency, And one of those areas is ourselves. I don't know about you, but I'm not really good to really hang my dependency upon myself, really. Because I have off days, and some days I don't feel so grand about myself. And some days I feel absolutely, you know, horrified probably by a thought or something I've said or something I did. And I think, gosh, how could I do that? I can't depend on myself because I soon get tired of myself and I get despondent, and I get discouraged, and then I become disabled in the race, and then I disqualify myself. Can we really depend on ourselves? I think not. And then I looked at others. We need each other. It's important. And I think the greatest fallout in church is because folks have depended on other christians or other people in the church and they've thought yeah i'll depend on that oh yeah they're great they're really strong you know and i can hang my every whim on their word but you know what they will fail i will fail and you know sometimes i think we think that to totally depend on other people is a good thing it can cause a lot of grief we are human we will fail You see, we have off days and mood swings, but God doesn't. And that's why we should be dependent on him, which is my third. God. We need to depend on God during the race. God came to earth in the form of a man. He left everything to come to earth and live a life like ours. Feeling the pain, enduring the temptation. Do you remember Gethsemane where he said, let this cup pass? And then, in the next breath, he said, but not my will, but thine be done. All of it so that we would know that he has been through it all, so that we can depend on him. Do you know, God is the best person, best support team you could ever have. Because everything is in him. And I looked at, um, like, the trainer or the coach that you could have he's the best because he's been there he's done it and he carries the scars to prove it he did it for us he's the best manager that you could have he knows where you need to be who you need to see to take his message to others he's the best doctor because you don't even need to tell him the symptoms he knows them already he's the best physiotherapist have you seen them you see her more in football, to be honest, than I, than I saw her on the uh, Olympics where, you know, somebody falls over or whatever. And there's a man come running on with his bag and his towel and a spray and he's rubbing and whatever. You know, and I think, wow, that's it. But God is the best physio you could ever have and wish for. Because you know what? He knows how much physio you need. And he knows how much exercise you need to do for yourself. Because anybody, I know, I'm looking at a physiotherapist there, but they know, they, t- they give you a plan and you have to work through it. And yes, they'll say, oh, come and see me next week or in two weeks' time. But during that period, you are supposed to be exercising for yourself. You're not just leaving it all to them. And that's God. He knows when he needs to do something. And he knows when it's time for you to move He's the best accountant you could ever have to look after your finances, tell you where your money's got to go, tell you where the next penny's coming from. He's the best accountant you could ever have. He's family. Nearly every Olympic person that ran has family, if not everyone, they must have had him at some point. But you know, he's our family. He's our parent. He's our brother. He's our friend. These are all in scripture. He's all those things and more. Let God be your support team. Stop depending on ourselves and our own feeling and thoughts and let God be your support team. It's not a sign of weakness to depend on God, you know. It's a sign of wisdom. You're wise if you hang everything on God. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Going back to Tom Daly, you imagine he's on the diving board and the coach or the instructor says to him, you know, you need to bend your knees a little bit more, lean over a bit more or whatever. And he says, you know, come on. Oh, no, I've been doing this for years. I know what I'm doing. You see, that's what we do. God says, do this. And we said, please, you know, I'm not going to go down that road. I don't want to do that, God. But God says, it's best. It's better for you. And I think that Tom Daly had to listen to his instructors and his coach so that he did the best performance on the day. So what Paul is saying is, we must get rid of everything that sets itself up against God's knowledge. So if it doesn't fit in his plan, if it's not in his word, then stay clear from it, because it's not good for you. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21 says, now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead of our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. He equips us with everything we need to do his work. He equips us. Enough so that we can run in the race and keep in the race. Romans 8 26 to 28 says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit itself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know. That in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Who have been called according to his purposes. Now, let me just make something clear here. We have all been called according to his purposes. It's not for the person sat next to you and not for you. We have all been called. And that means he's helping us all in our weakness. So as I say... It's not a sign of weakness to depend on God. It's definitely a sign of wisdom. And my last point is determination. It's an unwavering mind. Let's be determined to complete this race that God's called us to. Going back to that story that I never went into, Ahimaaz was determined to deliver a message that day, he didn't deliver it all. But he did know the answer because Joab had told him. And he said to King David, when King said, And what of my son Absalom? He said, Oh, I don't know. There was a lot of commotion. I really didn't know. And I just sort of took off. I didn't know. He arrived first, but he didn't even know what it was that the king wanted to hear. He didn't have the answer. We need to be truthful when we share the message of God because it is not an easy route that we run. But the prize at the end is out of this world. Iamas was caught out when King David asked him that question. He said he didn't know, but he did know. Let's not make excuses, let's complete the race that God has called us to. Proverbs 4, 20 to 27 says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the path for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Let's be determined to stay focused. There is a lot that will distract us and a lot that will trip us up. And I include myself in that because it is easy to get distracted when you're running a race for God. And when we're looking around at other things and other people, it's easy to get distracted. And it's easy to fall over. Every single competitor in the Olympics, whatever event they took part in, knew there were medals to be won. Gold, silver and bronze. They could also break their own record or break the world record. Every single event gave the possibility of the same outcome. But they could also come away with nothing, which many of them did, didn't they? Because there was only like three that could actually get a medal. So all the rest, you know, when they have heat one, heat two, semi-final, final, final, you know, all those people, there was only three out of all those people that actually got a medal. And um, I wanted to look at picture two. Very proud of this picture I am. You see, the thing is, the beauty of the Olympics was this. I was born in this country, but my parents come from that country. (laughs) And I was able to celebrate wholeheartedly with Team GB every time they won a medal. But I was also able to celebrate with these guys, one, two, and three. You know, I mean, that was incredible. But what I wanted to say was this. Johan Blake, who is on the left, and Warren Weir on the right... They knew what Usain Bolt was capable of. They trained with him. They saw him every day. They lived probably by each other. They went to the same training camp. They knew he was fast. The fastest man on the planet. I mean, really, I would have dropped out right there. I'd have said, you know what? Go on, take the gold. I'm not interested in running this race. But you know, they ran. It didn't stop them from running. And I tell you now, I don't believe either Johan Blake or Warren Weir went in there thinking, oh, I'll settle for silver, if that's what I get, or gold, or bronze. I think they went for gold. I really do believe that. Because, I mean, my thoughts would be, you say I might have an off day, you might not be very well, you know what I mean? And I might just, you know, clinch it. But they ran regardless. And sometimes I think we are like that. We look at each other and we think, oh, they're really good speakers. Or, you know, they can really sing. Or they've got such a wonderful, you know, um, gift in hospitality. Or they've got loads of money or whatever. And we look and we think, I can't compete against them. That's not what God wants. God just wants you to be willing to get in the race and to compete And to complete it. That's what God asks for us. Thanks, Janet. The beauty of God's race is this. That we compete. And we complete. And that we get the prize. And we all get the prize. That's the beauty of God's race. The fact is, you can cross the finishing line. And there is nothing to claim. 1 Corinthians 9.24 24 To 27 from the message and paul writes this and you know he says you've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race everyone runs one wins run to win all good athletes train hard they do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades you're after one that's gold eternally i don't know about you but I'm running hard for the finishing line. I'm giving it everything I've got, no sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not gonna get caught napping, telling everybody else all about it, and then missing out myself. And you know, I said it in the nine, I haven't got it written in my notes, but I tell you now, I think of the many people that I have met in the race that have encouraged me and you know what where are they today you know what i mean they've told so many people and yet they're missing out themselves it's hard it's hard to see that happening to people you love like friends but you know what god doesn't give up on them like he hasn't given up on us so you know what we need to tell everyone But don't get caught out and get left behind. Don't miss out yourself. And so really, in summary, it is a long summary. (laughs) It doesn't matter if you don't throw the discus the furthest, or you're short on your long jump, or you knock a few hurdles down, or if you are out of sync with the other swimmers, or you miss the target, or you get cramp, or you get stitched or even break your leg. Just keep going. Keep going, because God's support is there. Depend on him, and I tell you, he'll see you through it all, all of it. You know, there's nothing that he will allow to happen to you that he's not in you with it. God looks at you, and he doesn't see a list of failings. He sees his creation, that he loves and wants to finish the race, and for you to tell as many as you can to join it. And most of all, he's with you and them all the way, giving his total support, totally. The starting line for everyone is at the cross. He'll meet you there. And I can tell you, starting times do vary. Don't think you've missed it. Don't think, oh, I've missed it, the starting line. We don't all start at the same time. As we know, there's many that have gone on before us and and are now enjoying the presence of God. And then there are those that are on the edge. They want to start, but, you know, they're not sure. God's there with them. He's there with us in our journey, in our race. I just want to read some verses from uh, 2 Corinthians. Paul writes, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 to 11. For instance, we know that when these bodies of ours are taken down like tents and folded away, they will be replaced by resurrection bodies in heaven, God-made and not handmade, and we'll never have to relocate our tents again. Sometimes we can hardly wait to move, and so we cry out in frustration. Compared to what's coming, living conditions around here seem like a stopover in an unfurnished shack, and we're tired of it. We've been given a glimpse of the real thing, our true home, our resurrection bodies. The Spirit of God whets our appetite by giving us a taste of what's ahead. He puts a little of heaven in our hearts so that we'll never settle for less. That's why we live with such good cheer. You won't see us drooping our heads, poor writes, or dragging our feet. Cramped conditions here don't get us down. They only remind us of the spacious living conditions ahead. It's what we trust in. But you don't yet see that keeps us going. Do you suppose a few ruts in the road or rocks in the path are going to stop us? When the time comes, we'll be plenty ready to exchange exile for homecoming. But neither exile nor homecoming is the main thing. Cheerfully pleasing God is the main thing. And that's what we aim to do. Regardless of our conditions, sooner or later, we'll all have to face God, regardless of our conditions. We will appear before Christ and take what's coming to us as a result of our actions, either good or bad. That keeps us vigilant. You can be sure it's no light thing to know that we'll all one day stand in the place of judgment. That's why we work urgently with everyone we meet to get them ready to face God. God alone knows how well we do this, but I hope you realise how much and deeply we care Now, I said it in the nine, you know, I couldn't imagine writing a letter quite like this to anybody that I know. But the one thing that I did think about was where it says at the bottom, that's why we work urgently with everyone we meet to get them ready to face God. God alone knows how well we do this. And it's true, isn't it? Because sometimes we do stuff and we just think, I'm not quite sure. You know, this is actually getting the message across that I want to say. God alone knows how well we do this. But I hope you realise how much and deeply we care. How much do we really care about getting others in the race? How much do we care? So we are in a race against time, I believe. No man knows the hour when the Son of Man will return. Or indeed, when your last breath will be taken on this planet. We need to get into the race and spread this gospel. So, my four things the desire is there, or you wouldn't be here this morning or listening on the podcast. You've made the decision. Maybe you haven't made a real decision, maybe it was made half heartedly. You need to make that decision. And then you need to become totally dependent on God, on His support. And then be determined to see it through to the end and to claim your prize. Let's pray. Lord, I just, I want to give you thanks and praise this morning. That you put a desire within our hearts. Lord, you help us make decisions. God, I pray that you help us to be dependent on you from now on. Help us to stop following our own thoughts, Lord. Help us to break down everything that sets itself up against you. Make us dependent on you totally, Lord, I pray, and completely. And Lord, I pray that you'll give us the determination to see this race through to the end and tell as many as we can to join the race. Father God, I just pray that your word will find a root in our hearts this day, that this will just be the starting point for many of us, that we will follow you, Lord, wherever you take us, but we will stay in the race and claim our prize at the end. I thank you, Lord. Thank you for being with us. We bless you name.